0: You're listening to Irish Radio candidate Home and Abroad and uh, this week we're going um, we're going we're going to back to Ireland and I always love going back to Ireland and uh, we're going to hear about the nature of Ireland um, and a little bit of an unusual story. Last year you might recall uh, we talked about the native bats of Ireland and I picked up on that when I was in Ireland went to a, a Visit to Connemara National Park. We're going back to Connemara as well. Another part of the country I really love to go to. But there we're going to talk to a Mayo man. And he'll forgive me for I I'll tolerate it. James Morrissey was born in Mayo in, um, around the same time I was born, a little bit before me. Uh, but he's a communications consultant and a former award-winning journalist and he's the founder of Sunday Business Post and a business correspondent for independent newspapers. He's directed, uh, s- a director of several companies including Newstalk, Cranough Books, Cladder Records, uh, Fleischmann Hillard, and he has written several books himself about Ireland. And uh, On the Verge of, the, of, of Want, A History of the Fastnet Lighthouse, Inishbotton and Inishark, Omi Island, and then a recent the bee's knees so we're going to talk about the bee's knees but we'll get a bit of background on James and some of the other things as well first James thanks a million for coming on and willing to have a chat with us
1: well Austin it is a real real pleasure because what you haven't told your listeners is that we shared several years of the early part of our lives in boarding school together and it really is uh, a journey back down the old road to speak with you again and I'm delighted to speak with you
0: yeah and we did and that those, those kind of things are, are um, uh, person farming, and I, I was going to say they're, they're career farming on one level but they're human farming because you bring in close contact with people at a time in your life when you really don't have the maturity to appreciate coming in contact with people at that level you don't have the life experience necessarily to cope with coming in contact with people at that level and you learn as you get into your later years the the good and the bad and the ugly of that experience oh nothing nothing truer
1: and I think to leave a remote to leave your family home in a remote town in the west of Ireland to travel 50 or 60 miles to be taken to boarding school aged 13 uh, and to be Uh, placed in a building with others of the same age and teachers and a male-dominant society. But I do really feel that, for me, it was an enormous life enhancer. I do think it molded me. I think that the I I look back in it like the way we look back in our childhood, that we see, we remember the sunny days. We might remember the days when there was thunder, clouds and, and, and heavy rain and storms in our lives and those around us. And we coped and we got on. And I do think that uh, I certainly benefited hugely from being uh, thrown into that, to that world. I was lonely. I was hellishly lonely. Uh, but, you know, friendships that I, that I made with yourself and with so many other classmates, uh, I, think it's, I think it is life-enriching.
0: I watched a um, documentary in the last week and talked to the documentary producer Kevin McCann and it was The Boys of St. Columns and it was talking about John Hume because it was in memory of John Hume but also Seamus Heaney, Phil Coulter, Paul Brady uh, Father um, uh, Bishop Edward Daly um, was, uh, Eamon McCann, all came from St. Columns and it was a documentary on the pupils of St. Columbs, And I was sent to my good lady wife, you know, there could be one of the boys of St. Joseph's. Because we have had our share of uh, people who have had an excellent influence on the world, on Ireland, um, no more than, like, there's um, uh, Patrick Gillan over here who got the Order of Canada uh, for his work on, on in brain and throat surgery. Um, yes. Johnny Feely, who has uh, excelled in the music, uh, classical music er- area. Uh, Kieran Fitzgerald, the former captain of the Irish rugby team. And um, uh, Eamon Gilmore, leader of the Labour Party currently uh, out in Europe. And um, numerous others that, that uh, and I deliberately omitted yourself but (laughs) um, people who have done done really well and have had an influence and while the school itself wasn't streaming us towards that the school itself was moulding us in the way you just said
1: oh I think that is most certainly true and for all of us I believe that there were there were particular teachers uh, that uh, had a huge influence over us, uh, and maybe different teachers over different people. When you talk about success, I think the success of people's own private lives are as important as those who uh, are in, in in the spotlight, so to speak. Those uh, who reared great families, who had who have strong relationships with their neighbours, with people they work with, people around them, and who help their children through, uh, as our parents did, through all the years. And that's an enormous contribution. Now, that's a contrib- contribution to community and to, to society
0: mm-hmm. and to
1: the goodness that prevails. Uh, and maybe sometimes the light is shone too brightly on those that enjoy what might be regarded as success in the, in, in the public glare. But there's the private successes and the private happiness and the trials and challenges of so so many other people. I think in my case, Father Joseph Cassidy, later Bishop Cassidy, had an enormous influence because, as you well know, Austin, I never tugged out for games and I wasn't much of a sportsman. But I did find solace uh, and a new beginning and a new area of interest in writing and maybe on the stage in Garbley. Um, So we're all molded by those things, around us and they say a good set of parents and a good set of teachers and you're well on your way
0: indeed let's go to Connemara uh, but before we get to Connemara I mentioned a number of other uh, books that you have out there that uh, you worked on before you got to this one and fascinating books you have the, uh, a history of Fastnet Lighthouse and um, you've also one on Inish Bofina and Inish Ark um, and Omi Island you um, obviously love the Irish landscape and you know, the um, history and the beauty that is in it.
1: I do. I, the first book I wrote was back in the 1980s and I was coming back from a holiday in Clegg And My parents took us on holidays to Connemara from the time I was eight years of age and we rented a cottage in Cleggan, and we've been going there ever since. And my parents obviously have, have, have passed. but um, wonderful memories. And I was coming back from Connemara from a summer holiday in the 1980s, and I was working in journalism at the time. And I said, "What can I do, or what can I give back to Connemara in some way that's a token of of thanks for what was given to me?" And that's what put me on 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 the the road to writing a history of English Boston. Um, and and kind of took it from there. And I people say to me, you know, how do you find time to write books? Well. I don't watch soaps on television, and I don't play golf. Uh, And if you don't do either of those, there probably is a fair bit of free time in our in our
0: lives. Well, Uh, and and that's my escape. And that, and as a sailor, and me as a former sailor, I know that uh, when you're out on and you've dropped anchor, and you don't have TV, and you may not have cell phone coverage and uh, you are there with yourself in the calmness and everything else it can be a tremendous opportunity to write you can and it can also be inspiration
1: and you come up with ideas and sometimes the ideas are not regular ideas sometimes i think there's a i think there's a bit of madness uh maybe there that uh pushes out the boundaries i i and i often think and i say to people we all need a holiday from our own heads <laughs> We all need to escape from ourselves and sometimes nature uh, and being out there at sea and it's different things for different people, I think that does give us th- that, that escape uh, because maybe we can be- become too preoccupied with minutiae of life and small little things that really don't matter that much in the overall scheme and that's where I find the writing and I I regard myself as a kind of a social inquirer. I'm, I'm curious for information and ironically I think I'm. I have a greater appetite for, for information and knowledge now than I ever had when I was young, and I think that 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 uh, hunger for knowledge every day increases for me. And not only that, but the the disturbing part of it is uh, the more I learn, the less I realize
0: I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that because I've always come to realize that, you know, when. Uh, we're being offered an education be it national school, secondary school or maybe even university which I never made it to Um, we're at that stage in life when we're not ready for an education and at the time we're when we're ready for an education it's probably when we're ready to uh, avail ourselves of the education it's probably when we're retired and we no no longer want it in the same way because I would have to say the same that uh, it's in the last number of years that I've been able to absorb so much from being have the time to be able to talk to people like yourselves, um, historians, authors, people in the film industry, everything. I consider every week I'm actually learning because I have the privilege of talking to people and hearing their stories. So we talked there about Bapham, but let's move on to the bee's knees because you talk about the minutiae of life and everything else. And the bees as a very small... Insects uh, have such an important role to play in our lives. Um, talk to me about the bee's knees.
1: Well, three quarters of all the food we eat uh, uh, is produced because of pollination. And the greatest pollinators in the world are, are bees. Uh, there are others, but bee, predominantly bees. Um, we really need to mind them because they are so important to our ecology. Um, They've been around for millions of years. They are in decline primarily because of human behavior. By that I mean use of pesticides, um, pressure on the environment in so many ways. And we really need to protect the bees. And the native Irish honeybee uh, goes back a long, long time. Um, and bees featured in the Breton Laws in the 7th century. Um, apart from uh, food produce uh, and the pollination process, honey, of course, is one of the greatest natural foods in the world um, and well-known to help medically uh, for people who have digestion problems. It's being trialed in, in medical trials for the healing of wounds when people get burns or other other, other uh, damage to, 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 to skin, uh, so bees are hugely, hugely important, uh, and we kept bees when I was young, growing up in Mayo, and I revisited the, my interest in recent years.
0: And James, like I mentioned, that there are, I think there's nine species of native Irish bats, Uh, are there species that are specific that would be Irish bees and if so how many different species would there be?
1: There's one predominantly and that is the the native Irish honeybee known in Latin as Apis mellifera mellifera and there's a native Irish honeybee association and society uh, in Ireland to protect these bees for one reason and one reason only that they're being cross pollinated so to speak with imported bees, the native Irish bee is is has evolved over literally hundreds of thousands of years, and it is it is now well acclimatized to Ireland and to our climate. Uh, and cross uh, b- uh, breeding with other bees results in a, an inferior product. So we need to protect our bee, we need to protect the, the, the native Irish honeybee, uh, because it is vital uh, to our ecology and to our environment, and it's part of us.
0: It's interesting, I, I noticed, like when you're driving from Halifax up to Moncton, and you cross the 45th parallel at one point, uh, but there's a sign as you went to uh, New Brunswick and it says uh, no bees to be brought in. Um, when you mention about the importation of bees, um, is that a real problem? Like, uh, and, and if so, where are these bees being brought from?
1: They're coming from. Uh, in in Ireland's case, they're coming from the United States. They're coming from all over Europe, and they could be coming indeed from the from the Far East. And uh, the a bigger problem is that that some of the foreign bees have have diseases. And have weaknesses in their immune system, which continue obviously as they breed. Uh, and in Australia, they have they have what they call sentry hives near the ports in Australia, because the the hives will attract bees that might be carried on a container or a freight vessel, and they will be attracted to the hives. And these hives are inspected on a regular basis uh, to see if there are any foreign strains in them. And it's a very, very good ecological project. And again, because of the decline in in the global bee population, honey is becoming a scarcer commodity, and honey increasingly is not what you pay for when you purchase it in in your local store. Real honey is quite hard to find, And there is an enormous amount of unreal or fake false honey out there. And Andrew Schneider, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist in the United States, uh, who has since passed about 10, 15 years ago, carried out a study, and he discovered that four out of five jars of honey being sold in stores across America uh, was not real honey. And that's replicated all over the world.
0: A few things going through my head as you're talking. One was I was chatting with Sean Keane uh, about two or three weeks ago, and he was just heading over to Tory Island, and Sean was telling me that he has become a beekeeper. Um, huh. And that uh, in the previous week, two or three swarms had arrived. into uh, uh, Interesting. And, uh, Yes, and uh, he, he was, uh, t- 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 was fascinating and we chatted a little about it there and how he was loves working with the bees and during COVID, given that he can't perform, uh, that it allowed him to do a lot more work and engage more. And the other thing that was comes through my head, there's a, a group of people here, we, we play bridge with them, one of them regularly brings their own honey. Because they have bees. And we don't think always when someone comes with honey and they're all bees that what we're getting is the pure product. And that brings me to the next thing is that the pure product. Because you talk about the environment and what the bees need in order to sustain themselves. And um, I'm always curious when I go in the store and I see the sign that says it's organic honey. Um, And how can the producer... Be 100% sure that the bee hasn't gone and had a feed on some non-organic piece of clover or something. Um, and uh, the stuff that's not branded as organic, how are those bees being fed?
1: I think predominantly the the honey that would be called organic is honey that grows in areas that have have not been. Damaged or in any way contaminated with, 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 with pesticides. Uh, and I think, you know, let's be positive, there are still great tracts of land out there that have not been uh, damaged yet, and that's why da- the damaging needs needs, needs to stop. Uh, and you'd find, say, in, in Kalamara, uh and in places like Whittow, there'd be very large tracts of land because the bee flies about five kilometres, up to five kilometres to, to to get the nectar. So five kilometres in a large tract of land is not not huge, so people can make that claim. Uh, what you really want to see on the label is uh, pure honey. Uh, those two words, uh, but once you see the word words like blended or added or Anything like that? I think it's in. It's in, The honey is probably uh, maybe not as good as you would get from a local beekeeper. By the way, I have to say I'm 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 quite amazed by the number of people that you seem to be in contact with in Ireland on a regular basis. You speak to more people in Ireland uh, than I do, and I live in Ireland. Last we talk about it, Sean. When you talk about Sean Keane, and you just keep ma- mentioning, I was talking to so-and-so last week, it never ceases to amaze me that you have much more contact with people here than I do. And, and again, there's a slight introduction to Sean, that wonderful song he sings about on the plane to America.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. that's Home from home. Home from home. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. I, have two, I have two sons living in New York and every time I hear it, it's, it's so captures it uh, and uh, a conversation for another day uh, the Keane sisters recorded for Clader Records by the way many yes. years ago and that's, something we're, and that's something we're looking at Working on, but that's that's for another day. That's
0: I'm for another month. That's for another that's for another day. Um, no, and one of the things actually when you talked about that, there's Richard Thompson wrote a wonderful song, and while it wasn't Sean that recorded it, Callanure um, recorded it, and uh, I have another version there that I'm going to wrap up our little chat with this song called Beeswing. Um, oh, lovely! It's a lovely song, lovely song. So, um, but going back to the bees then. Um, for an aficionado, uh, like because in the wine industry there's sommeliers and all this thing but for an aficionado, an aficionado, would they know the difference between the honey from one part of the country or one part of the world and another?
1: They they would, and there's an interesting man in America, and I'm trying uh, Vaughn Bryant. Vaughn Bryant is a is an expert on honey and pollen, and. On occasions, murders have been solved by the study of clothing of murderers because the clothing could have been lying on a piece of grass or ground, and the the, the nectar or the pollen from that area could be unique. So the answer is yes, uh, you can. And and the most the the, the most effective way of uh, assessing honey is actually by the flavour based on the flowers from which the nectar has been collected. That's the key. So there could be f- flowers that are unique to your area, uh, so it can be traced back to it. The, in Ireland, uh, the, most common, the most common flowers and flavors are blackberry, heathers, and, and, and fuchsias. And that, and that plant that we use always regard not as a flower at all, and we looked at it with great disdain, but it is one of the heroes of the bees, and that's the old-fashioned dandelion.
0: I know, I know. Um, Other than my lawn, the front lawn, they can grow everywhere, and there's enough of them growing, and I don't feel I'm doing environmental damage when I mow the lawn. (laughs) No, (laughs) as as, as as, as long as there are parts around your garden
1: that you're leaving to grow and let nature take its own course.
0: Oh dear, there are lots of those, operated by the city. (laughs)
1: <laughs> excellent,
0: excellent. <laughs> but, um, so, you've, you've explained that you fell in love with bees from an early age, going back to going on vacation down to, to Connemara. Um, how then uh, did you get to the point where you decided to really immerse yourself and study uh, the bee, the life cycle, the the whole uh, story of the bee? I,
1: I, I think, I suppose, what I would regard as long winter's nights, once once it gets dark from sort of 5 o'clock onwards and we don't fall foul of always turning on the television to see what might there be on that might just be of interest and I think a lot of hours are wasted sometimes of all of us do, do, doing that. I would just leave the television off and I'd say, okay, I was thinking over the weekend uh, about studying the bees and uh, what, what the particular issues were at the time, and I might, I might even Google news about bees, so I'd read up, and I'd read old manuscripts I came across an old manuscript recently from the uh, 18th century, from the Royal Dublin Society, which were papers on beekeeping, and trying to help people around Ireland and this would have been post-famine uh, how, how, how to keep bees, and what they should and shouldn't do um, so this great tradition and history of beekeeping beekeeping in Ireland, as there are in, in Canada and, and lots of places. We have our own tradition, I suppose, it came into its own uh, after the famine in which over a million people died uh, and people were looking at new food, food sources and that really started uh, beekeeping on a more general scale and then of course it declined in, in, in decades uh, subsequently.
0: To have enough material put between the covers of a book on a subject as small as the bees uh, when I say as small as I'm talking their physical size as distinct from the topic um, requires uh, having done a lot of work, research and everything else and as you say, you know the uses of this and the importance of the bee in our society and in our world is so important. We didn't talk about the wax again which is such an, uh, a useful thing but the bee and the honey as I understand it uh, is a complete food, um, and that uh, we do hear references going back to times in the Bible, even when people were in the went off into the desert and survived on honey. Um, yes, but the, excuse me, the use the uses of uh, wax, for example, in this day and age, coming from the hives, is there a, an industry in that?
1: Well, there, there is because wax, wax, and small portions of wax are used in all sorts of treatments, uh, medical treatments and also used uh, in, in in cosmetics to a, to a great extent and of course wax is the great is a, is a, is a great sealant, it's, it's, it's used I mean Egypt, Egyptian leaders were embalmed uh, and they were encased in vats of honey waxed over which in fact preserve their bodies for forever. Wax and honey, as a preservative, does exactly that. Uh, you, if you, if you bury a jar of, of honey uh, in a sealed jar with sealed with wax, it will literally, literally last forever. Uh, and wax has its has its application, as I say, in in in, 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 in ingredients of all kinds. Uh, and it's also, it's also used, as I say, primarily in cosmetics. In
0: so, James, coming to the, the housekeeping of things here then, if somebody wants to get their hands on the book, where can they get it? Uh,
1: it's on sale on, on, on Amazon, and it's printed by Korach Press in, in, in Dublin. And if you Google uh, the Bees Knees, uh, they'll, 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 they'll find it there.
0: And is your next book to Trushes' Ankles" by any chance?
1: Uh, I don't. I. 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 I don't know. Uh, I think the next one might be history of Clive Records, but that's something for 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 for, for another day's discussion. Indeed. Uh, and I'd be delighted if if uh, if it was of interest for if uh, please, uh, whatever way. Best you want to do it. Uh, have a have a competition and and let's let's get a copy to to one of your listeners in, in, in whatever way is most effective for you.
0: What we'll do is I'll run it through the app, <coughs> because there's an, a section in the app where you, I can literally create a, a, an entry form. Uh, so you can download the app at uh, irishradio.ca, and there will be a banner floating across the top, which is uh, enter to win a copy of The bees Knees. And uh, we can take it from there. James Morrissey. Yeah, and if you send
1: me the winner and away we go.
0: Do you want the winner or the winner's name now? Uh, we'll <laughs>
1: pick the winner first. We'll, w- we'll wait for the winner's name. Unless, <laughs> unless you have a system where they have decided it already. Uh, but I'll leave that in Charlie. No, but maybe you if will. I
0: send to the winner, you can bring them out in the sailboat there. But anyway, we'll just settle on their name. Absolutely. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> hey, James Morrissey, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you.
1: Austin, delighted to speak with you again. Thank you very, very much for your interest. I really appreciate it, and no doubt we'll be talking soon about bees and indeed other topics. Indeed.